I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Good Wednesday evening and welcome to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Dan Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com and well, the Penguins are off and running, and Dan, after a couple uh, wins uh, beyond regulation with the Washington Capitals, there's reason to think that they're starting to uh, starting to feel themselves now, starting to get into the groove a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, this is a team that's been a, a tough read through four games. They've done some things quite well uh, in spurts. They've had a surprisingly effective performance, uh, even productive from the point standpoint, from their bottom six forwards. Um, But their top six is still a mess, five on five. Uh, Everybody other than Sidney Crosby has been a deep disappointment at five on five out of that group. I mean, I I, I should – Evan Rodriguez has played well too, but he doesn't matter because he's not going to stay on the top six. Uh, the goaltending has been bad. I mean, there's not a kinder word for it than that through four games. And the defense core has been – it's dependent on the night. It's dependent on the shift. Um, I guess, Albie, we can attribute some of this to the fact that there hasn't been – you know, that there wasn't a training camp. Yeah, right, right. That there, that there wasn't an exhibition season. You know, and I know the convenient answer to that is, well, yeah, 31 other teams were in the same boat. But if you want an interesting mile marker for this sort of thing, if you look around the NHL right now, there's a handful of teams that have actually done a lot better than people anticipated. And it's the Detroits, the Ottawas. And for anybody who doesn't know this, these teams were given three extra days of training camp because they didn't have a summer season, obviously, because they were out of the playoffs. It was a semi-controversial move that the NHL made to, to concede that to these teams. Like, why were you giving them any advantage? But it's been an advantage, uh, especially when it comes to defenses, to systematic play. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Sidney Crosby and Gino Malkin so far? Malkin was held scoreless in the first three games without a point, uh, but but was able to uh, get on the score sheet uh, in the win last night. And Sidney Crosby, well, uh, you've seen what he's done through four games. Your your assessment of each of those players? Now, Sid's got two power play goals and now a three-on-three overtime goal. No five-on-five. Malkin's goal last night was a power play goal. Really nice power play goal. Really ripped it. Not a five on five goal until these guys. And I'm not singling the two of them out. I will answer your question, but until these guys, all six of them, including when Kasperi Kapanen goes into there until they start becoming a five on five threat, you will not see the penguins being what they can be. 
the rest of this, some of this has been uh, cute, I guess. You know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's saved their bacon. I thought they played generally okay in Philadelphia pretty well at times. Um, then then had a good game against Washington on Sunday, and then were just absolutely awful on Tuesday night until they abs- you know, until they needed to be. Um, it's just weird, Albie. You know, and I guess none of I, I shouldn't be saying any of this with any surprise in my tone. It's just weird. Uh, you mentioned the the defense, uh, you know, down to four defensemen, but the, uh, and a lot of double shifting in that uh, overtime win over over the Caps uh, last night. Um, so so your point is well taken about the defense, but they have uh, you know had to to kind of mix and match and try to to do the best they can when they're down down to four. Yeah, they have. I mean, in, in Philadelphia, they started off with Mike Matheson and Cody Cece out there. Um, neither of them played well, to be nice. Uh, Matheson then got hurt. He's out for the longer term. And now we'll see what the statuses are of Marcus Pedersen and Yuso Rikola moving forward. Um, you would think Cece will come back into the lineup, even though he'll probably have to move to his wrong side. Uh, as a as a right shot moving over to the left because those are two left-handed defensemen that went out and you'll probably also see the NHL debut of Pierre Olivier Joseph the Penguins top defense prospect uh, Mike Vellucci who now coaches the Penguins defensemen but last season was coaching the Wilkes-Barre Scranton system felt back then and told our website in authoritative terms that Olivier, that Pierre Olivier Joseph should have been in the NHL and would have been in a normal circumstance, uh, meaning had, had the Penguins not been as deep as they were in Pittsburgh. Now we get to see it. You know, he's impressed Mike Sullivan in camp. He's impressed the coaches POJ has. Now he's got to take it out onto the rink. Um, that's going to be interesting to watch. Again, I'm presuming I'll be that, that Pedersen and Rico are going to be out. We'll see how that plays out um, as well. But it's just weird. Have I said that yet? The whole thing is yeah. weird. You know, uh, Jim Rutherford told Dave Molinari from our, our site uh, earlier today that he, he was asked, Dave asked him about, you know, what's wrong in particular with Malkin. And Rutherford came right out and said, it's the wingers which I didn't see coming at all. And not that he said that Gino was good, because there's no way anybody could say that right now. Gino's moving like he's in molasses. Yeah, yeah. But when you're when you're looking at the play of Brian Rust and Jason Zucker, Zucker's been kind of a headless chicken. He's skating hard, but he's not getting anything done. Certainly not the way he did when he first came over in the trade from Minnesota. And Rust has just been lost, Albie. I you just don't see him for shifts at a time. So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered, not least of which I might add is getting Tristan Jari back into the net. I think you need to see him back on Friday night. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because then you get into a problem of what they were trying to avoid when they avoid, when they got out of the problem that they had last year. So Mm -hmm. absolutely agree with that. All right. When we come back, uh, some Pirates moves, uh, who's coming in, uh, and Joe Musgrove headed west. We're going to talk about that deal for the Bucks and more as Halftime Adjustments continues. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, and welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. We've talked about the pens, and now it's time to talk about the Pirates. Still unclear on how the whole baseball thing is going to work out, but we do have some news uh, as by way of a trade. Pirates acquire five prospects in a three-team deal. I'm sure you've heard about it. Joe Musgrove is headed west. Now, Dan, with all respect to Joe Musgrove, and I know he was the opening day starter and all that stuff, and, and he was one in five last season. I mean, is this is this, you know, you'll you'll run into people who immediately see the headline or they recognize the fact that he was traded and they immediately think, okay, here they go. Well, Ben Charrington said it best. You have to start replenishing. You have to start bringing in uh, talent. And and they have a long way to go on that in that regard. But uh, your thoughts on uh, the deal that was made in this three team trade. Joe Musgrove. is and was for Pittsburgh a middling, mediocre starting pitcher. Yes. Uh, his, his inconsistencies on the mound were maddening. Uh, his, his ability to get deep into games, one time you'd see him out there for an inning and a third, another time it would be you know, eight or nine innings, you know, the whole way through. And he'd look dominant and you'd have no idea what clicked, what didn't click. Um, to get five prospects for Joe Musgrove, to have uh, four of them be inside a team's top 20 or top 30 prospect list is unbelievable. There are 30 general managers in baseball. Well, no, no, no. I should say 29 because San Diego clearly made the move in the other direction. Uh, who would make that move? Uh, starting pitching is very, very valuable in the majors. Uh, now more than ever, I think. Uh, with all the teams, uh, with all the need for the, you know, to fill in rotations. And whenever teams get hungry, like the Padres are, the Padres think they're right there. They're ready to go for it. Okay. So they're and they have a, a system that is really deep, one of baseball's deepest, which by the way is how they got there because it's a market that's the same size as Pittsburgh. They went and said, you know what, we have to have Musgrove. Musgrove's our missing piece. He's from San Diego. I don't know how much that would weigh into it. He, I mean, he's really open and vocal about it. He and I have talked about it when we were out there in San Diego. 
Um, he got all emotional pitching at Petco Park. The Padres probably had that somewhere in the back of their heads. You get emotional sometimes. You make a trade. Uh, ben Sherrington did extremely well for the Pirates. This is what you need, LB. It's quantity and quality, both of them. Uh, and you have to put in a bunch of them. Are all these guys going to make it? Are all these kids going to make it? Wow, no, it's baseball, okay? That's just how it goes. But if you look at the volume of prospects that Charrington has added, my goodness, just since last season, since last season, just a handful of months ago, he's added seven more prospects into the Pirates' top 30, meaning bumping other guys out off of that list. That's how you do it. You have to create competition in the minors. Um, I can hear everybody right now. I'll be saying, how long is it going to take? How long is it going to take? Whatever. They're baseball prospects. It's going to take a while. It just is. Yeah. And, and uh, I want to, I want to say someone said something to me on the street yesterday. Um, and it was, you know, I, again, this is a typical thing. You'll, you'll hear the, the pedestrian view. Oh, they get rid of one of their established players, even though, as I mentioned, he was one in five last season. But and they said he'll probably become when I reminded this person that he was one in five. He'll he'll probably become another Charlie Morton. And and my answer to that is then let him become another Charlie Morton. It wasn't happening here. And furthermore, to your point, you bring in three arms of the five players. Five prospects who have a chance at, 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 at reshaping your future. All five agree it won't happen, but you, it's about replenishing the cupboard. Fill the cupboard back up, and you don't want it to be bare as it's been. Yeah, what happens when a player leaves via trade, with very few exceptions, doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay? If, if Joe Musgrove, who's a really hard worker and a diligent guy, and I didn't mean to I wasn't being mean or personal when I say that he he was middling and mediocre. He just happens to be middling and mediocre. really like the guy. Um, If he goes there and he does well and he contributes to the Padres winning the first World Series in franchise history and all that other stuff, great. Good for him. What's the difference, you know? Uh, What matters from the Pittsburgh perspective is that they they get the people that they need at this point in time to stock up the minor league system. Um, I wish more people would understand and appreciate the importance of that. But I also can get why they don't, because you don't turn on your TV at 7.05 p.m. and watch so-and-so playing Dominican Summer League ball. You know, what you see are the Pittsburgh Pirates. What you see is that team that went 19-41 and 41 last year. And it's frustrating, and especially, I think, for the older generation – because they've heard it a lot. Um, they think it's all coming from the same management team. And they all think, well, what, seriously? Now I got to wait another three, four years? What is this? You know, how many times do I have to do this? And so I understand that part, but I also wish it was understood that this is not a salary cap league. There's one way to do this one, if you're a low revenue team, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays way. All right. Well, time will tell, but uh, you'd have to be delusional to think that they are in any other situation that they're actually in. Right. And and, and Ben Charrington is doing what he has to do. All right. When we come back, uh, a little uh, football talk as we get ready for the conference championship games this weekend. We're going to talk about the Steelers and one player who 
Uh, we'll ask your opinion on, on what his future should be with the Steelers when we come back right after this. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Dan Kovacevic. And uh, Dan, the league championship games are coming up. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later in this segment because I think there's some intriguing stuff there. Uh, but let's start with what the Steelers should do with Bud Dupree. Uh, we all know the situation. Uh, he had come into his own uh, out for the season last year with that injury. And and now you're you're – you're facing some decisions. What do you think they should do with Bud Dupree? Well, what I think that they should do is something that they're not going to do. I feel that's necessary to preface that way. Um, but just for fun and for conversations uh, standpoint, I, I would very seriously entertain finding out, figuring out who it is that you want to keep on defense out of this group. I do not value this offense. I do not value most of the people on this offense. I do value what I saw of this group defensively. I consider them to be the best in the NFL. Uh, special. When you're talking about three, four years of being atop the NFL sack list, two years in a row of being atop the NFL's takeaway list, this is a pass rush in particular between T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree for which the opponent has no answer, Albie. That is not something that you see very often in sports where there's a specific facet of a team that the other team just says, oh, we can't do anything about that. I mean, even if we tried to gimmick up T.J. and Bud, Stefan Tuitt's coming up the middle. Cam Hayward is coming up the middle. Uh I'm not ready to let that go. To me, that's the window. Everybody talks about the window as it relates to Ben. To me, the window for this team is how long it can hang on to a truly elite defense. So uh, if it sounds like I'm saying what I'm saying, I would put money into Bud Dupree, Mike Hilton, and Cam Sutton, and I would let the rest go. That means Juju, James Conner, and yes, even potentially the quarterback, unless he were to do some dramatic restructuring. Um, and I think Juju and James Conner, and uh, again, maybe Alejandro Volnaweva, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they might be gone. Um, and maybe Marquise. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that this, so, so that's what you think they should do. What do you think they will do? <laughs> it's different, actually. Uh, I think that the Steelers are going to be the Steelers, which is that they're just going to be loyal, uh, quite possibly loyal to a fault. I'm trying to picture a scenario in which let's just take Marquise, for example. Marquise says, hey, I'm ready to come back. Do you think the Steelers are going to tell him, no, Marquise, you're gone, man? No chance. No chance. Marquise is a $14 million a year center. That's a lot of cap space. Um, you know, if he were to retire, that's a lot of freed up cap space. Uh, what would Bud Dupree get on the open market? Maybe 17, 18 a year, maybe a little bit more. Okay. But you could pay him with that. Uh, what would Ben? Wow. Ben would go on an open market, but Ben is a, Ben is a 41 cap hit. I don't know if people realize that $41.25 million cap hit. That is a really big chunk of $180 million total payroll. Uh, 
that's tough, man. You know, Juju, I'm not paying. I've got three wide receivers without him. You know, I've got I've got James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. Three young, really promising receivers, any of whom might actually be better than Juju. Why would I pay Juju? Because Ben wants him. Ben's going to be 39. Am I paying James Conner? Heck no. 32nd in a 32-team league in rushing. No chance. If I'm going to replenish the offense, Albie, it's going to be through the draft. And it's going to take patience, and it's going to take time, and it's going to take some cheaper free agents. I am keeping this defense intact. But you asked what they're going to do, and I went right back to what I wanted to do. Did you notice that? <laughs> so I, I think that they're just going to find a way to, to you know, keep their guys and keep Ben happy because it's what they've always done. Well, uh, then let me ask you this as an extension to that real quickly before we get into the conference championship games. So hypothetically, if they put money into their defense and if they made a bid to try to keep Bud Dupree, um, you know, can this team survive with an offense that at least for the moment uh, can't really get the job done, whether it's sure, sure they can. They just went 11 and 0 with an offense like that. I mean, we just witnessed it. This offense was never anything special through the entirety of the 2020 season was never anything special and more often than not was a liability. You know, well, you know, unless 11 and 0 LB, 11 no, and, 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 and to, to your point about 11 and 0, uh, perhaps that was because there was no training camp and no preseason this year. No, not a real training camp and teams, other teams that the Steelers played, maybe were a little slow getting it going in those first six, eight weeks. And maybe that contributed. Um, they never had an answer for Bud and TJ. Never. Never had an answer for him. Never had an answer for Minka. Never. I didn't even mention Minka. This is a special defense. You keep it together. All right. Uh, AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. Who do you like in either in, in both of those games, actually? I'm mortified to try to pick the AFC winner until I'm certain of Patrick Mahomes' health. I'm, I'm sure that everybody feels that way. So I'm going to take Buffalo in the moment. And Green Bay, and then Green Bay is going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Green Bay against Buffalo and a Packers Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers. All right, back with our final moments on halftime adjustments right after this. And back for our final moments. Very few of them here on halftime adjustments. Dan. How about those Pitt Panthers? A, uh, oh. a good win, if only in the fact that they uh, held off Duke, which is a psychologically a big win for any program. It is, but the, the guys individually that are making this happen are what stand out for me, in particular, Justin Champagne. Yeah. He is, I used the term special in the last segment. Uh, he's starting to look that way. He doesn't just look like the ACC player of the year. He looks like he might be an NCAA player of the year, the way he's just laying out double-doubles, game after game after game, uh, to do it against Duke, to do it against the top competition in the conference. I really, a million different reasons I wish there wasn't this pandemic, but I wish people could see and appreciate Champagny and what he's done. Not to take credit away from Audis, Tony, and other guys. Tony was awesome last night, but Champagny, man, if he decides to come back, you know, LB, but I don't know that he will. I, I think the NBA yeah. is going to come calling after this season. 
I think that's uh, at this point. I think that's a given. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Pitt eight and two overall, four and one in the ACC. Dan, thank you. Appreciate your thoughts. And that's halftime adjustments for this week. I'm Albie Oxenrider. We'll see you next week right here on WPXI Now.